You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome back for another installment of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, the talk that makes your body rock. This program is dedicated to helping you find the most important, most elusive, and most precious of all things, the perfect orgasm. We have so much to cover in this episode, but before we jump in, I want to make sure I remind you that if you're searching for naughtiness on the internet, make sure that you're using IjiSearch.com. That's I-J-I Search.com. Using IjiSearch.com will eradicate that wicked search history, and you won't have to explain your deviant porn search to anyone but me, of course. Yes, use IjiSearch.com and your browser history will never be exposed again. Today, we're continuing our journey together for a long, deep, and hard look at sex and relationships. Some of the topics will be familiar, and some will be new and exciting. But I promise you this, there will be pleasure everywhere we go together. We've spent our time getting very intimate with each other, but in case you're new to the show, I am the naughty mistress with the mostess, a melodic goddess of getting it on, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And the only thing I ever ask of you, my dear listeners, is that you keep an open mind, put aside what you think you know, sit back and relax, and we'll walk down this crazy path of life together. And don't ever forget, orgasms are nature's way of saying, life sucks ass, but here, have a little candy. Well, my little heathens, this is the third and final episode in the Cheaters and Cheating series. And today we're going to be focusing on trust and how to rebuild our relationships. In case you missed it or need to go back and review, episode one covered the reasons behind why we cheat. Episode 2 covered how to spot cheating behaviors, and with today's episode, we're going to learn how to rebuild trust in our relationships. Grab your adventure hat, because this week's question is, now that the trust has been broken, how do we repair it and put our happy relationship back together again? I know this topic has been a very long journey, and all the feelings that cheating brings out of us can be exhausting and defeating. That's why it's so important that we make sure we cover things thoroughly. Hey, I'm not a fan of being covered either, but in this case, I'll make an exception. I hope you will as well. So today's episode isn't just for those who have been cheated on or those who have cheated. There are many different ways that we can break trust in relationships. So we're going to take our time and really explore trust, how it's lost, and how to win it back. Buckle in and hold on tight. Oh, I do love it when you hold me tight. Because we're not going to be holding anything back today. Can the infidelity-damaged relationship survive? The answer is yes and no. It really just depends. There's a whole host of factors. Some say gender, some say environment, or even career choices. But there's no one-size-fits-all to determine if a relationship can be salvaged. 
More couples, I'm sorry, many couples are able to recover from infidelity and can even develop a strong relationship with more intimacy and closeness. Relationships can survive affairs, but healing from infidelity is incredibly hard and painful work, and both partners must be committed to repairing the damage, rebuilding trust, and reconnecting as a couple. So the first question that we have to ask ourselves is this, is this a relationship that's actually worth saving? To really understand this, you have to start with the true motivation underlying the infidelity. This can be difficult to, to determine because, well, many people just don't want to face the true cause of the infidelity. I mean, after all, it's why they cheated in the first place, to avoid the situation. But for argument's sake, let's assume that both of you have decided that this relationship is worth saving. First and foremost, if you've experienced infidelity and are working through the issue, then by all means, seek a qualified and licensed therapy professional. This is by no means a do-it-yourself project. You're not going to finish it in a week, and you're going to need someone who's involved that's a third party that has the skills to help you navigate this issue. I mean, really. You wouldn't skydive without an instructor, so don't try to take on this task without a therapist. With that said, there are several factors that's going to influence how successful couples are at saving a relationship after an affair. The quality of the relationship prior to the discovery of infidelity, both partners' commitment to making the relationship work, and effective communication skills are all critical pieces to a successful recovery. And remember, infidelity can happen in a healthy relationship. It could just be an indicator of a larger relational problem, such as fundamentally incompatibility or a lack of love and companionship. It isn't all about the cheating, and you need to remember that. So we're really going to start and focus on what that unfaithful partner needs to do. The first step is the most important, and it needs to happen long before you and your partner decide to seek counseling. And that is stop the, f the affair immediately. You need to sever all contact with your lover and agree that you're never going to see them again. This is going to lift the veil of secrecy and create a sense of safety for the betrayed partner. Stopping an affair goes beyond no dates and no sex. It includes no phone calls, no in-person conversations, no quick coffee breaks, and no quick meetups together. If you happen to work with the person that you've had an affair with, you need to keep your encounters strictly businesslike. And you need to tell your partner everything that happens. Avoid private lunch dates, closed-door meetings, anything like that. It's also important to report any chance meetings with your former lover to your partner before they ask about it. Tell your partner about any conversations, and if your former lover happens to contact you, announce that too. That's right, 
you're going to make sure that you tell your partner every horrid little detail. The next step on the path to forgiveness is you need to answer any and all questions that your partner may have. Couples heal better after an affair if the unfaithful partner supplies all the information requested by his or her betrayed partner. It's counterintuitive to think that going over the details will only further upset your aggrieved partner, but truth is willingness to talk that rebuilds trust. The key is do not hold back. There cannot be any more secrets. If you leave out details that emerge later on, your partner's going to feel a sense of newly being betrayed. So it's crucial you don't leave anything out. And this goes together with letting it all out. You need to keep talking and listening no matter how long it takes. You don't get to speed up your partner's healing process and you don't get to negate the importance of the process. You need to be ready to answer questions at any time, even months or years after the affair has, hen- has ended. Listen to your partner's reactions without anger or blame. Next, you need to take responsibility for your actions. Blaming your partner for the affair isn't going to heal the relationship. The only thing that works is showing sincere regret and remorse. Apologize often and vow to never cheat again. It might seem obvious to you that you're not going to stray again, but your partner can't trust in that yet, so you need to renew your commitment to your partner. Above everything else, do not expect to be quickly or easily forgiven. Your, mar- your partner might be in deep pain or shock, so expect tears, rage, and anger. Whatever you do, make sure you show your partner empathy no matter what. All right, dear listeners, we're just getting started on how to rebuild trust after infidelity and rebuild a relationship. And I think since we've already talked to the unfaithful partner, we're going to have a little visit to our sponsors and we'll come back to talk to our betrayed partners because it is a process and both partners have things that they need to do. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina on Renegade Talk Radio. I am Naughty Nicole. Meet me back here, my little heathens, after this word from our sponsors. Thanks for asking, but I'd rather not send you nude pictures. I'm camera shy. I already said no. Under my clothes, I'm a robot. My webcam is broken. I'm worried they'll get passed around school. I have a rash. I have nudophobia. I have lizard skin. I'm a vampire, so I don't show up in pictures anyways. Your badgering has really killed the mood. When someone is pressuring you to do something you don't want to, how many ways can you say no before they get the message? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. All right. Welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina. And today we're talking about how to rebuild trust in our relationships. 
I hope that during the break, you used edgysearch.com to look up some additional ways that you can reestablish trust in your relationships. Or maybe you took the time to try and find a counselor that can help you through this process. Don't worry. Either way, your secret is safe with me and Edgy Search. Neither of us will ever tell. Before the break, we covered what the unfaithful partner needs to do to start rebuilding trust in the relationship. And now we're going to switch gears a little bit and look at what the betrayed partner needs to bring to this party. So let's jump right on into it. That's right. Your worst fears have been confirmed. You've just found out your partner has been unfaithful to you. You want to scream and rail against your partner. You want all the details about the affair, and you don't care how much it hurts to hear. Above all else, you want the secrecy to stop. You've got a million questions that are swimming around in your head, but there's only one that matters. How could you hurt me this way? I'm sorry to say it, but there is no easy answer to that question. Hell, if there's even an answer to that question at all. But I will share with you a few things that you can do that can make the process of building trust again bearable and help move yourself towards a happier and healthier relationship. First off, and I'm not kidding when I say this, it's going to be the absolute hardest part of fixing this. You're going to have to balance your rage with the need for information. You're going to want to scream and cry and lash out. But big emotions can prevent your partner from making the full disclosure that's going to lead you guys to recovery. To get at the truth and form a tighter connection to your partner, you're going to have to be compassionate about your partner's emotions. I know, I know. That's going to be easier said than done. You're going to want to punish them. But the only way to curb the feelings of pain and that need to know is to get all the facts. And I'm sorry to say it, but the only way your partner is going to be willing to answer you is if you can manage not to lash out and attack them every time they open their mouth. Partners who have affairs are afraid to reveal everything because they're worried it's going to become a marathon talk session with a downward spiral of out-of-control emotions. So, unfortunately, the first rule of trust building is if one or both of you become upset, it's time to stop the discussion for now. With that said, the next step is you need to limit the amount of time that you guys are going to spend talking about the affair. Look, we all know that this isn't going to get resolved in one day, one week, or hell, even one month. But you've both made the commitment of making this relationship work. So restrict yourselves to 15 or 30 minutes to talk about what happened. Now, don't let the affair take over your lives. You got to have more than just the affair. I mean, ask questions when they arise because you don't want to build resentment or create long lists of questions to go over during the time you've allotted. But 
don't let the affair be the only thing that you two talk about now, because when you finish talking about it, you're not going to have anything left. No one is saying to let your worry go underground. You need to keep talking. Just make sure that you're talking about some other things as well. Now that we've touched on balancing rage and how much time you should be spending, we need to talk about what you want to talk about. First off, you're going to ask a lot of questions. You want to get all the factual details. How often did you meet? When did you cross the line from friend to lover? What sexual acts did you share? How many times did it happen? Where did it happen? How much money did you spend on your lover? Who else knows about the affair? But remember, once you get the facts, your questions are going to shift past those facts when you start to think about your partner's reasons for the affair. Why did you feel the need to find comfort in someone else? Did you feel that I couldn't provide that comfort or understand what you were going through? It may even shine a light on some weak spots in your relationship. Make sure you're talking about how the affair affected you. Discuss your doubts, disappointments, feelings of betrayal and abandonment, your anger, and your sadness. You've asked your partner to build a wall between them and their lover. So do them the courtesy of opening a window to intimacy with you. Don't hold back. Let your partner in. It's going to be painful and it's going to go against every fiber of your being, but you need to let them in. And you might want to expect some curveballs because at some point your partner's going to get angry and possibly even accuse you of betraying them. But keep the focus on the affair itself and the facts. Now, no one's going to be, be expecting you to forgive and forget quickly or easily. You forgive only when you're ready to. You need to first grapple with the pain and anger and try to rebuild some trust. But truth is, you're never going to forget that affair. The painful memories will fade over time, but only forgiveness is going to allow you to move past the pain and rage and reconcile with your partner. Take this important step only when and if you feel ready to let go of those negative feelings. When you feel that your partner has been completely honest and you feel that they've taken steps to rebuild your trust. The only way to move forward is to let go of the past that you hold on to. So find forgiveness. The process of recovery is different for every couple. And again, it all depends on the people and the circumstances. Finding the right support through family and friends or the right counselor or therapist can help in making you feel less isolated and give you support during this process. But be realistic. Even if it seems unlikely, and try not to fall into an unending cycle of punishment and recrimination. If there's hope, by all means, keep talking. Just don't withdraw in hope that emotions are simply going to cool over and you guys can move on. That never happens. This isn't going to be a quick fix, and you both have to be committed to the long haul. 
Most importantly, you have to remember that you can't drag someone to repair a relationship. It has to happen hand in hand because going through the motions out of guilt or just for show is going to be plain cruel. Before we move on, I want to discuss the importance of keeping promises when rebuilding trust. Breaking a promise when trying to reestablish trust can bring back all of those old feelings of betrayal, anger, and disappointment. In fact, while trying to rebuild trust, a broken promise can actually do more damage than the original transgression. Breaking a promise at this crucial time shows that even when you're on your very best behavior, you can't keep your word and you can't be trusted. If you break a promise, the whole process has to start all over again, and it's probably going to take even more time to fix. So when you're dealing with trying to rebuild trust, it is always best to under-promise and over-deliver. Not only is it important to follow through on promises, but it helps to talk about it as well. Ah, yes, Nicole has snuck in communication, communication, communication on you again. But when you're trying to rebuild trust, it does help to discuss how you're keeping your word. It helps to make an explicit connection between the promise made and how they are kept. Having these types of discussions shows that you're serious about rebuilding trust and putting in the effort to getting it back. Just like cheating, there's a number of factors that go into rebuilding trust and putting the relationship back together again. And we're not finished yet. We have a little bit more to cover after this visit with our sponsor. So, I'm Naughty Nicole. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina on Renegade Talk Radio, and I'll meet you back here after the break. Blunt. Do you like to be blunt? Absolutely. We don't sugarcoat shit. Listen, Listen Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. You'll hear things you've never heard before. Renegade Talk Radio. And welcome back, listeners. If you're just joining us, I'm Naughty Nicole. And this is Big Trouble and Little Vagina on Renegade Talk Radio. And today's topic is rebuilding trust in our relationships. Now, we've already covered what each partner needs to do in order to resurrect a relationship from the fire of infidelity. But there's one last burning question that we need to cover. How do I deal with my jealousy? Now... Everyone gets jealous or suspicious from time to time. But experiencing jealousy on a daily basis is incredibly problematic. When jealousy strikes, people will compare themselves to their rival, they'll feel threatened, and they will imagine the worst case scenario, their partner leaving them for someone else. Not only is jealousy unpleasant to experience, but individuals who are chronically jealous or suspicious will often misinterpret what's really going on. They can take an innocent event and think it and twist it into the worst possible way. For example, let's say your partner doesn't immediately return a phone call. Now, a highly jealous individual will jump to the conclusion that my partner doesn't love me, or my partner's cheating. Jumping to conclusions can drive people crazy, and it often fuels their suspicion even more. Negative thoughts 
doubts, and insecurities often lead to more negative thoughts, doubts, and insecurities. Not only do highly jealous individuals drive themselves crazy, but they often drive their partners crazy as well. Being around a suspicious person is difficult to deal with, and no one likes to have everything that happens turned into a negative event. Moreover, being with a jealous person is difficult because highly suspicious partners can be overly controlling, needy, and invasive. It's not uncommon for people who date highly suspicious individuals to pull away from their partners because of all the problems that it causes. Learning how to deal with jealousy effectively is critical to maintaining a healthy relationship. Typically, the best way to deal with jealousy or suspicion is to talk to your partner about the issue. When people are suspicious or jealous, they often try to hide their true feelings, but ignoring our emotions almost never works. Our feelings are gonna get the better of us and they influence our behavior whether we like it or not. When people experience jealousy, if they don't talk about it, it will come out through sudden mood changes, acting overly controlling, being overly sensitive and needy, causing unnecessary arguments and fights, pointing out a romantic rival's every flaw, attacking a partner, and so on and so forth. You guys kind of get the idea. In fact, jealousy sometimes leads people to flirt with others as a way of getting their partner's attention or by trying to show them how awful it can feel. But Research will show that talking to a partner about jealousy is actually the best way of dealing with it. As a general rule, when talking about jealousy, it helps to focus on your feelings and not necessarily your partner's behavior. In other words, don't blame or attack your partner because you feel jealous. Rather, explain how you feel. For example, Sometimes my jealousy gets the better of me, and I don't like feeling that way. If you talk directly to your partner about how you feel, you're less likely to act in ways that can create more distance and distrust in your relationship. Also, you're more likely to get the reassurance you need from your partner when you discuss your jealousy in a calm, cool manner. Another way of overcoming jealousy involves trying to think about events that make you suspicious in a different light. Again, jealous partners put the worst spin on everything that happens. A great deal of things that happen in a relationship are pretty much ambiguous. Events and actions are always open to more than one interpretation. So back to our example of the partner that doesn't call back right away, there's some different possible explanations. Hey, they could be busy. The battery may have died. Maybe your call didn't go through. So on and so forth. Overly jealous people jump to the worst possible case and dwell on it. And guess what? It just leads to more problems. So when an event triggers jealousy, it helps to interpret it in a different light. Learning to interpret events positively can actually help individuals overcome their jealousy. In fact, the ability to put a positive spin on things that happens is one of the key differences between relationships that succeed and those that fail. 
Understandably, putting a positive spin on things is difficult to do because of old habits and diehard ways of thinking. This is why therapists are so incredibly helpful. Suspicion is often fueled by a lack of information. So, as a last resort, try to gain more information. And no, this does not mean cyber snooping. Being jealous involves imagining the absolute worst, but not being sure if your feelings are correct. For some people, the most difficult part of being suspicious is not knowing the truth. So, as a very last resort, one way to deal with the jealousy and suspicion involves trying to get to the bottom of things. Some people have a very difficult time letting go of their suspicions until they have enough information to make up their mind, or if they get all the answers that they're looking for. The problem with this approach is that the quest for information usually takes on a life of its own. People seek out information, but they don't really know when to stop, and their search only pours more fuel on the suspicion fire. So, with this in mind, what are some guidelines for trying to get to the bottom of things? To begin with, asking a lot of invasive questions is usually not a good way to go about discovering the truth, unless you happen to be a police detective. If your partner is trying to hide things from you, they're not likely to tell you about it simply because you ask. There are much better ways of getting partners to be more forthcoming. Second, and we just covered this, many people resort to snooping. But snooping raises some ethical issues, and I, for one, do not condone snooping. But if you do snoop on your partner, try to set a reasonable time limit. A week, a month, or whatever, given the issue at hand. It is important to set a strict time limit and keep to it. Otherwise, your snooping is just going to lead to a never-ending quest for more information, which is basically going to put gasoline on that suspicion fire. And suddenly, you're on a never-ending loop. If you don't discover anything within your time limit, then you got to let it go. If you're still suspicious, just keep reminding yourself that you tried to get to the truth and you discovered nothing. You gave it your best shot. You came up empty-handed. Let it go. On the other hand, if you do discover something, at least now you can deal with a real problem rather than spend your time worrying about what might be. Trust is easy to lose and it's incredibly hard to regain. Rebuilding trust requires a lot of understanding and commitment from both parties. But without trust or taking immediate steps to get it back, our relationships can fall apart really quickly. A lack of trust often leads to more suspicion and harmful discoveries, only putting our relationships in even greater danger. As such, it helps to rebuild trust before relationships pass the inevitable point of no return. That's where feelings of anger and betrayal run far too deep to repair. If you're the person who's been hurt, it's natural to focus on your feelings, to experience anger, sadness, and have doubts. 
trust takes a long time to rebuild because those negative emotions tend to stay with us longer than positive emotions do. When you find yourself focusing on your negative emotions, it helps to think about all of the things that your partner is trying to do to try and make things right again. Trying to focus on the positive and not the negative makes it a little bit easier to get trust back. In short, rebuilding trust can be very frustrating for both parties because partners do not move through the process at the same pace. There's not much you can do about this, but it kind of helps to keep it in mind. And with that, that's our time for today and the end of the series on cheating and cheaters. I hope that you've enjoyed the ride and hopefully you've learned something new or maybe you just liked listening to me talk. And if you did, don't hesitate to let me know. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com or even on Twitter, although at the moment I'm mad at Twitter, at at Nicole Delacroix. If you have been enjoying listening to me, then make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional Confidential Admissions from Social Media, available from Amazon.com and other major online booksellers. And it is still on sale in the Kindle store to celebrate Renegade Nation going live on the mothership Google Play. I want to thank you for joining me for Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to join me next week. And we're going to get back to some good old-fashioned naughtiness. But I'm not going to tell you what we're going to discuss. Just know that it's going to be fun and it's going to be naughty. So until next week, remember, a jealous partner does better research than the FBI. So be careful what you're hiding. See you next time, my haters. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.